everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, co-host, and Batman himself, Father Richard Heidelman. <laughs> and our guest tonight is Bill Snyder. He's going to be telling us a lot of really cool stuff about some really cool things in the Catholic faith, especially the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. Before we get into that, we've got to start off with a prayer, and we turn over to Father Richard for that. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father, for that. And to all you out there who are just faithful followers, listeners, viewers of the U.S. Grace First podcast, we thank you so much for being out there. You're like family to us, and we do mean that sincerely. Your prayers, your support, your encouragement mean everything to us. And I really want to humbly tell you that Father and I are both on the same page when I say that being able to present this to you every week and hopefully get a message out there that brings hope and encouragement and help fire people up, unite people and get people better prepared for the struggles that we all face and for what's coming in the world. And we know more is coming. Many of our guests have talked about that. You are a tremendous, tremendous help to us in getting that word out. So thank you so much for that. For those of you who support us financially through the Patreon program, thank you so much for that too. That is an enormous way to help us get this word out. For anybody interested in that, click the link in the description below. Go on out to Patreon. And if you'd like to pray about this and support us financially, we thank you so much. You are in our prayers. You're all in our prayers. So God bless you all for that. Our hey, guest Doug, can I interject real quick? Yes, please, Father. Uh, well, it just popped in my head because I've had uh, several people ask if you know the, the podcast is in Grace Force and all that is going to uh, continue because I'm being transferred uh, uh, in uh, July, and I I've been telling this is my pat answer to everybody is no it's even going to expand even more, so we're we're really hopeful and and really looking forward to the future with the Grace Force and and uh, all that we're able to do and we're we're just we're we're kind of I've been saying them we're like surfing the wave of the Holy Spirit you know we're just kind of going with the flow as, as as it is but but there's tons of huge prospects coming our way and and uh everybody just stay tuned for that so back to you doug back to you robin <laughs> <laughs> thank you batman <laughs> no you're absolutely right father and that is an exciting piece of of what's going on there's a lot happening in the world but where sin abounds grace abounds all the more and we hope right. and pray that where sin abounds grace force abounds even more nice so <laughs> we're gonna go with that one yeah but uh yeah thank you everybody for your prayers and your support and just continue to subscribe to the channel and get the word out uh share this with other people and shows like this tonight this topic tonight the shroud of turin authentic or fraud you know this is one of those topics that uh, you know really needs to be looked at and we cannot forget that this exists and it's been a, a debated subject for many 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 years obviously and with the technology that's come along in recent decades, you can really see that they can pinpoint things so much better now. And Bill's going to share that with us. Bill, I want to get a little more about you, though. You are, you're quite an individual, as I'm just looking through your bio here a little bit, founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry. And you do a lot of youth work. You do a lot of great evangelization in the church. You know, um, you just graduated from high school, I think, a year or two ago. I mean, you look pretty young. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. How, how old are you, Bill, by the way? Uh, I'll be 38 next month. So. Okay, so he's a little older than I thought. Or he just had a hard time getting out of high school. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, but no, seriously, Bill, um, I know uh, I, I was on one of your podcasts, I think, uh, some time ago, but mm -hmm. uh, it's great to have you on this. Um, tell yeah. us about why Patchwork Ministry. You, yeah. I just found this out right before we started. Yeah, so Patchwork Heart uh, really was birthed back in 2012. Uh, at a youth conference that um, I really didn't want to be at. I was uh, leading teenagers uh, at, at a youth conference. And, you know, I was this little youth minister in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, uh, and just really happy kind of being the little youth minister in, in, in a small parish in, you know, uh, Wisconsin there. And so he, um, the Holy Spirit, though, at that, at that conference had this encounter with me where he asked me to start a ministry. I'm listening to this speaker on the stage. Her name is Mary Bielski, and, she, and, and the Holy Spirit just kept putting in my mind throughout her talk, I want you to start a ministry. And I was like bothered by this because I said, you know, I really want to minister to these teens. Just be quiet. Let me, let me do my ministry to these teens right now. I really don't want, you know, any interference from you. And 
all day long. It just kept coming back to me. I want you to start this ministry. So finally, uh, I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, you give me a name. I start the ministry tomorrow. Crickets after that. I was like, yes, I win. Uh, <laughs> on, on the ride home, though, on the ride home from the youth conference, uh, they had charged us with pray praying the final decade of the rosary. And so I'm in the car with the teenagers praying the final decade of the rosary. And like a good mother, she takes two by four across my forehead and she goes, patchwork heart ministry. It was incredibly personal to me. I'm a survivor of three open heart surgeries. Uh, I was born with a congenital heart defect called Tetralogy of Fallot. And so because of that, um, I knew that they were serious. Uh, the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Mother were serious in starting this name, so I started this ministry. So the next day I went out, I got the website patchworkheart.org, and it's been a wild ride since 2012. Um, but here we are, and it's it's got a it got us a documentary on the Shroud of Turin. So you know, Lord knows where the Holy Spirit's gonna lead next. <laughs> Bill, I, I want to say this, Father, give me if you don't mind if I jump in here. Bill, yeah. I've been doing this work for 33 years. I've been very blessed to travel all over the country and outside the country been tied with ewtn and catholic radio stations and shows and such and i have met so many stories of people like yourself where the holy spirit blessed mother have this tendency to do these things in these ways you mentioned getting hit with a two by four that's how i described when i heard about fatima you know 38 39 whatever years ago from my aunt god rest her soul you know, Marian apparitions. And I would, would always say it was like getting hit in the head with a two by four, kind of sugar-coated two by four from the Blessed Mother. But it was a wake-up call, a very, very profound wake-up call to get, you know, deeper in my faith. I was always Catholic. I was a clock-in, clock-out Catholic. Holy water font, clock-in. Holy water font after mass, clock-out, you know. But stories like what you just described, I think, are very important for people to hear because it shows that the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Mother, they it's almost like they like to do things in these types of ways to kind of catch you off guard. And when they make something clear, like father was talking earlier and there's things we we're not going to tell the audience entirely yet, but you know, riding the wave of the Holy spirit, surfing the wave of the Holy spirit. And, you know, we're sin abounds, grace, fouls, grace force abounds more. Um, there, there are ways that the Holy spirit wakes us up and does things and the blessed mother as well. And you, before the, we started recording, you had said that about the blessed mother, that it's hard to say no to her. She has ways of, of we have ways of making you do what we want you to do you know? <laughs> yeah so I, it's, just, it's just a phenomenal story and how long ago was that how long have you had patch work heart ministry now yeah so again the way i bought the website uh, 2012 april of 2012 but um we converted to a nonprofit in 2018 so that's really kind of like the formal ministry you know piece of it uh converted then and uh, have been doing it full-time then uh, since then uh and as much as full-time as i can being a work from home dad mm. um my you know right now with a 22 month old but um but yeah it's it, it's a wonderful ministry we've authored some books for college kids we've done um you know all kinds of different you know work we do podcasts and videos uh for for people we've we've consulted with catholic radio stations kind of a lot like what you've done doug over the course of your career not not to the extent you have but um but certainly and then uh, have been doing that. I just think it's phenomenal. I mean, I started 1990, 1990s when I started and, and, uh, Radix 501c3 nonprofit ministry, just like you. And, and it has, it is a wild ride and, oh, yeah. and what God will do and what he will allow you to go through and struggle through. Um, it could be sickness. I mean, and it's financial issues and it's all kinds of struggles, ups and downs, and it's being canceled and persecuted and, and told you're not allowed back in certain dioceses because of something you said or did. So, you know, and, and uh, it's been a long ride and I'm thrilled now to be able to sit here and work with Batman over there. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just robbing. Uh, robbing so. <laughs> so, so I love the name uh, and uh, obviously uh, the inspiration was at least partially triggered by, you know, your heart condition that you've had over the years. Yeah, incredible. Um, but I, I could see how you could incorporate that into helping people who, you know, the, their heart you know, to get, this is the image that I've used recently because we have this, um, this see this light right here. I'm pointing at it. This is actually a, a, a flame that was brought back from Bethlehem mm. at the birthplace of Jesus. And uh, I, 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 
since then, and th I got this like 10 days ago or whatever it was. And uh, since then, though, I've thought of when we're in adoration, it's it, it's like our heart is leaning forward. It, it, the wick of our heart is leaning forward and we're getting lit up by the sacred heart of Jesus, the fiery sacred heart of Jesus. But I mean, is, I can imagine how you could work patchwork uh, heart into a lot of things like that. It, it, what, are, what are some of the ones that come to mind, how you work that in? Yeah, you know, for, for me, um, I'm really blessed, right? I can see that I'm imperfect every single day. I've got a 12-inch scar down the center of my chest. Uh, but there are so many people walking around with wounded hearts and have absolutely right. no that they're wounded and that they are in need of a divine physician. So for me, I just try to be a divine physician assistant. Literally, that's you know what I try and do. And I think it even says it in my ministry on my website someplace. I just try and be divine physician assistants to, to, to show people, hey, listen, you've got a broken heart somewhere. If you give it to the guy who can heal it, he's going to do it. If you right. give him the whole heart, he's going to do it. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, the other thing I love to use is the play on the, on the parable of the sower, uh, you know, the seed, the sowing, the seed, I like to say sowing hope into broken hearts. And I change it to S E W I N G instead of S O W. Um, but, but, you know, putting seeds of hope out there for people, you know, we are in, we're in, we, we, we've alluded to it tonight already, right? Like the world is just crazy and we need hope. And so how do we, how do we do that? Well, by, by stitching hope into our hearts, by allowing God's love to be stitched into our hearts so that we can have hope in something that is not of this world, right? It's not of this world. It's of the next world. And I, I, I wrote one time in a, in a devotional, I said, you know, hope is the only virtue that when you possess it, you no longer have it. You think about it, you know, you don't hope for something you already have. You don't hope for the latest iPhone, right? You once you once you possess what you're hoping for, you no longer need hope. So, you know, uh, we don't possess heaven yet, but we need to hope for it. Mm -hmm. And so how do we and so how do we do that? How do we do that? And you guys are doing amazing work at US Grace for us to help uh put hope in people uh that in, in this dark world. So yeah. it's so great to see. I'm thrilled that you're doing this. It's another story that needs to be heard and told um, because it does bring hope when you get a chance to meet people like yourself who are doing these types of things. You know, I want to give a quick shout out to, you know, our, our tech guy behind the scenes here, Kent. He, you know, people don't realize sometimes this isn't just me and father clicking record, you know, <laughs> Kent's back there running this, you know, and and he's been an incredible, you know, uh, force to help us with this. He's for three and a half years, he has stuck through with everything we've done, you know. Um, and so people don't realize, I think, that he's back there behind the scenes, taking care of it. He's a family man. He's got a wife and kids. And, you know, uh, guys like you, guys like Kent, we, we, Father and I, it means so much to us that this is going on, uh, that you're, you're part of this, Kent's part of this. And so many great stories like this. Now, this Shroud of Turin piece we want to get into, though, this is this is critical. This is important. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a film out on this. And, you know, we like the title Authentic or Fraud because it is one hotly debated issue and topic for many years. Can you give us a little background about the Shroud and about the film that you've got going here now? Yeah. So absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, Kant and myself uh, have been working uh, together for about three years. And and uh, about two years ago, Kent and I had an off-air conversation about uh, Brian Walsh, who is the executive director of the Shroud of Turin Center in Richmond, Virginia. And um, Brian was working with Kent doing some recordings of his work, just kind of going on Zoom and recording and cataloging his work. He's the executive director of the Shroud of Turin Center there and has been studying the Shroud for several decades, right? Um, he's an atmospheric physicist. He's a mathematician. Um, and so I, I said to Kent, would he be open to doing a documentary? We have all this fancy equipment. We have all these fancy cameras. Would he be open to doing a documentary instead of just kind of you know, giving an academic lecture. And uh, so Ken goes, well, let me go back and I'll ask him. And so it happened that we set up a Zoom call and Brian was like, yeah, I'm open to it. And 
so again, like one of those freak accidents of the Holy Spirit, here we are talking about doing a documentary. And so um, that's how the film really came to be. We picked up another amazing shroud expert by the name of Richard Bernacci. And Richard is a um, uh, a gentleman who travels the country talking about the shroud and other Eucharistic miracles and things like that. He's been studying the shroud for decades as well. And um, so the two of them kind of anchor the documentary. And then we add a wonderful um, a exhibit. Uh, which travels the United States called the the Man of the Shroud. It's based in Libertyville, Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, and so we add that in as well, uh, and some and some testimonials from the average Joe walking through this exhibit to to, to it. So it's kind of these you know three uh, you know three different um, perspectives, you know two two experts and then a bunch of um, testimonials from average Joes who walk up and see a replica shroud mm -hmm. and all this scientific evidence and go. Yeah, this is this is pretty compelling. And so, um, you know, while I'm not a shroud of turn expert, yeah, and I'd be 100, you know, transparent with your audience, I am not a shroud of turn expert. But I've spent a lot of time talking with them, putting together this documentary, and so because of that, um, you know, I um, I uh, have had the opportunity to learn a lot myself and grow in faith and grow closer to Christ through the shroud. So I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Bill, if, if anybody's uh, watching right now or listening, um, help us to understand, you know, just where this all started. You know, what, what, what is the, what is the Shroud of Turin? Maybe start there, you know, maybe yeah. somebody's hearing it for the first time, but I've always been fast, very fascinated with it. I haven't done a deep, deep dive with it, but, um, you know, what are the basics they need to know? I mean, you know, when did it first appear and, uh, why do they claim it's it's you know what you're about to tell us yeah. it is and can you give us just a, a little basic knowledge of it? Sure, absolutely. So it is the supposed burial cloth of Jesus. That is what uh, the shroud of Turin is, or many believe it is. Many people who believe it is a fraud. Uh, but uh, I'm going to begin with the legend of King Abgar. Now this comes from apocryphal writing. It's not found in scripture, but it comes from apocryphal writing about a legend of King Abgar in Edessa. We hear of the Edessa cloth. And King Abgar, uh, in these apocryphal writings, wrote a letter to Jesus seeking to be healed. Um, and Jesus replied to his letter, saying, again, not scriptural, not canon, but but said, I, I cannot come at this time, but I will send an apostle of mine to you after you know my my mission is complete to heal you and what happened was saint jude thaddeus uh in in this legend then took the shroud to edessa and when king abgar touched it he was miraculously healed so this this happens shortly after jesus is is uh you know uh, his you know his resurrection his ascension all of that that a couple, a couple hundred years after, right? So this shroud makes its way there, um, it, and it gets into Edessa. Now King Abgar dies, and King Abgar, um, you know, was was faithful Christian. However, his successor was not. He was more pagan. So the bishop in Edessa, uh, this right, right around the year now we're talking about like 400 A.D. He, uh, this this king bury or this bishop buries the shroud in a wall. And uh, this is around 400. So now the shroud is sitting in this wall for about 400 years, 500 years. It comes to the year uh, 944 AD. And now um, the, the, uh, the city of Edessa is getting attacked by Muslims. And the, there's another bishop. His name Bishop Eulalius. Uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night with this vision of a beautiful woman. And he's he's going uh, okay. Um, my 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 city's under attack. This beautiful woman appears and says, "If you parade the shroud around the city, we it, it will repel the Persians. It will repel the Muslims." Jeez. And and uh, the bishop goes, "Well, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. It's been 500 years since you said this 
you know, cloth is buried in a wall. She tells him where it is in the wall. She pulls it out of he pulls it out of the wall, parades it around the city, and Persians are repelled, right? Um, so there's a lot of legends, you know. For the first 1300 years of the shroud, no one can pinpoint exactly where the shroud was in history. There's going to be disputes. It was it here, was it there? And you know, honestly, it really doesn't matter where where these legends take it. I know that it's interesting and it makes for a great documentary, um, but it doesn't really matter because if we discovered it. As, as Richard says in the documentary, uh, if we discovered it 50 years ago and performed all the scientific tests on it, it would still have those miraculous scientific properties. So um, while it's fascinating, I think one of the other really amazing things about the Shroud and its history is that people don't know that it was hidden from Hitler in 1936. They actually brought it uh, to a uh, monastery in the in the south of Italy, and they hid it there. Because Hitler was searching for all of these, you know, articles. I mean, if you've seen the Monument Men, you kind of understand what he was looking for, these religious artifacts that could, you know, give him power, right? And he thought anything from Jesus is going to give me power, right? Um, you know, so so he was looking for it. And the, the, the Nazis actually came into the monastery where it was. They were looking around for it. One um, – one uh, story is that it was used as the altar cloth underneath the altar. Another one says it was buried in a pillar. Um, either way, they didn't find it. They walked out without it. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just fascinating, right? So if if it was hidden, if it was protected, if maybe there was a, an appearance from the Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, telling somebody it's in a wall. Like, there's so many different beautiful things about the history of the Shroud um, that if even if it's even if it's incomplete right now, we don't know exactly where, uh, and there's conflicting accounts of it. Think about this: it was protected through wars and fires, and and all of these things. It has survived that. That right there, to me, puts a check mark on its authenticity, not on its you know you know uh, being a fraud. Yeah, there's 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 uh, plenty of, of evidence that there's a lot of miraculous protection of it at the very least, um, and I I, I was going to ask you about the key thing that you said there um, that or make this point that even though we don't know all the details of it and leave it to man, yes, we like to dig into and scientifically understand this and that. We like to follow the science, right? <laughs> um, even though we like to think we can do that, God is great at confounding the wisdom of man, man's wisdom, not God's wisdom. And so is there then a deeper reason in your, in your opinion and the opinion of the experts that God would keep it shrouded, no pun intended, from you know the truth shrouded in you know shrouding this truth of where it actually was here here and then so that it leaves the element of faith and devotion as part of this entire picture what do you absolutely. think absolutely absolutely i often say that i think the greatest thing that happened to the shroud is that there was a fire that um, tainted the shroud, multiple fires. But I think that uh, it was one of the best things that happened to it because otherwise you wouldn't need faith. If if this was a slam dunk, hey, Jesus rose from the dead and he is who he says he is. And oh, by the way, you know, he's going to come here and he's going to redeem you of your sins. Um, and it would we wouldn't have any need to to have the faith that we have. So I, I I think you're absolutely right when 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 I say it's shrouded in mystery and and um all of that because without faith, you know, it would it would just be a slam dunk home run like okay, you know, this is 100% Jesus is real and you know, God God needs us to believe in him. He needs us to have an element of faith, not just a uh you know, slam dunk home run because it because you know, it's it goes back to free will too, right? Like we can believe in him and not. He always wants us to have that that uh, free will to choose between good and evil, um, and and so we have to we have to uh, keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. Have you have you ever had those moments? Sorry, Father, real quick. You read those, and Father, you can speak to this too. I know that you know, those moments where, boy, I got I'm praying for something. I oh, I just and this happened to me recently about a week ago. I was praying to my my guardian angel, and I'm begging him because there was something that I. 
it was a time frame issue and it had to do with only in details. But I was begging him and I did this kind of express novena. You may have heard of Mother Teresa's express novena of the memorari. You do nine memorarias, one after the other. And then you do, and you're asking like an express novena for something, uh, uh, some sort of um, a prayer intention. And then you do a 10th one in Thanksgiving for how God is going to respond. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this with the guardian angel and I'm calling my guardian angel and I do 10 guardian angel prayers in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Just knock them out. And I'm pleading for something. And within five minutes, boom, it happens. And, and it's something that I needed to get done. It was, it was something about schedule and time and this, that. Okay. Bottom line is while I was praying it, I had this attitude. I'm believing you're going to do this. I'm believing you're coming through. And then it happens. And that immediate moment of, yeah, but what if it was just coincidence? Uh-huh. Yep. You know, and it's, it's as if no matter what, God always seems to leave certain things in the area of you got to have faith. There has to be something of the heart and the soul that's got to have that belief to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're always looking for something that proves by man's standards that this is of God. And I can see that with the shroud as well. It's like, oh no, I want absolute proof. Well, you've had the carbon dating test and you've had this and you've had that and you've had miracles that have happened. Yeah, probably, but ah, but what if? And I just think that that faith element is is so essential. Father, what, what are your thoughts on that? That God still leaves things like the shroud or like my little moment with 10 guardian angel, my express guardian angel prayer novena. Um, he still brings that element of faith in there, doesn't he? Absolutely. I mean, God, I always say is a perfect dad, but sometimes I like to call him a coach. But what is he trying to do? He's trying to draw the best out of us. And he's he's training us, forming us to strive, mm. you know, to not just be that spoiled child that just gets what you want. And, you know, but, you know, your, your prayer there is is a, a great example of that. I'm going to do this to express novena, you know, and, you know, you're, in, in other words, you're not just going, hey, God, you know, I'm going to do this. And then, okay, I'm going to go to the store now. Shopping yeah, yeah. and golfing, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but he does that. And I think, I think I always picture God, now I'll go back to perfect dad, you know, perfect father doesn't just hand the kids stuff. He's like, okay, do you really want this? Right. You know, like a good dad would do you show me, you know, show me that you really want this. And, um, you know, and then we'll talk. And that's why I, I always think like mortification, fasting, things like that. Uh, and the Bible talks about that too, how uh, powerful it is. And, and, and so many cases in the Bible too, where people stopped and they put on sackcloth and ashes and fasted, you know, I'm thinking of Nineveh now, but, um, but the, the, I think that's what you're speaking to Doug is, mm. is uh, you know, and, and what is that? That's faith. It's belief. It's, and, and, and in that moment, you're kind of begging on God. Then all of a sudden, you like you got your response there, uh, praise God. But what happens then to your belief? It becomes even stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been teaching this for years, but I think especially lately, you know, let's 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 uh, let's proclaim from the housetops the miracles that God is doing, and and give God the glory, give God the credit for for doing that. And and you know, if, again, if you look at the Bible, if you look at Jesus, everywhere he went is like. Boom! You know, healings and all these miracles and stuff like that. Well, what happened? You know that we that we're, we we get something happens and we go like you said, Doug. We go, well, that's a nice coincidence. Oh, good, right, right. Good thing. Good thing it's a full moon today. Good thing my horoscope was good. You know, yeah. yeah. And uh, and and people are losing that that uh, that strong belief in God and and His miracle power. I don't know if that answered it, but. No, I, I, yeah, that's, and that's what I see. And you're right. It was one of those moments I begged, I prayed. And I actually said, please, I need to know that you hear these prayers. I want to have a reason to, I want to have that deep faith, you know, and, and and I, you know, as opposed to kind of what you described it as father, like we're throwing mud at the wall, hoping it sticks. Yeah. I'm going to say these prayers and then I'm going golfing and shopping and we'll just see what happens. And if it happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe not. I didn't, I don't want that. I want, you know, I think about this and maybe, maybe Bill, you can talk to this too, because I think the Shroud of Turin kind of fits into this kind of whole mindset and idea. 
when Peter's walking on water and he starts to sink and he does the first thing, we all, you know, everybody knows the story. He, he gets nervous, you know, the storm's raging around. And as soon as he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink. It's great for all of us to know that you take your eyes off of Christ. You're going to start to sink. You're going to have problems in one way or another, you know, figurative, literally, you name it. And he does the right thing. He calls out, Lord, where are you? You know, help me. And Jesus grabs him and everybody in the boat. I would always imagine those guys in the boat are thinking, whoa, did you see that? He, he was walking on water. That's amazing. You know, you're thinking maybe Jesus is going to say, hey, we can build on this, Peter. This was a great start. That's not what he says. <laughs> he says, why did you doubt? So I would say, you know, it's not as if God wants us to walk on water right now. No, no, no. He wants us to run on water, dance, jump, fly, soar. And he's, I think he's constantly trying to tell us, yes, you can, with me, you can do this sort of thing. And I think the shroud, and Bill, I'd like your thoughts on this. Does the shroud kind of, you know, the, the miracles that have been attributed to it, and, and even maybe more than the physical miracles, the interior miracles of people who have really had to adjust their faith, their belief system, like Father says, God is always trying to draw us into something deeper, draw us into a deeper dialogue and a deeper faith and trust. Do you think that there's that, that element of, I want you to fly, soar, jump, run on the water, and the shroud is one of those pieces of God trying to do that? What, what do you think? Absolutely. You know, I think when we looked at titling our film, mm -hmm. we used, uh, who do you say I am? I mean, I know we cleaned up the English a little bit. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. um, but we, we titled it that because of actually St. Peter, right? We, like, like we, 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 we titled it that way. Uh, because this is a personal and direct question, right? And and there's a question before that in the Gospels that says, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" Right? That Jesus's first question is, "Who?" And and they go off and they say, "John the Baptist, Elijah, all these other great prophets." But it's Peter who recognizes, "Hey, this is the Messiah." I'm talking to Jesus, right? The the Son of the Living God, right? You are the Messiah. The Son of the Living God is what Jesus says, or Peter says to Jesus. And so that is so powerful, right? And and I think the shroud can help people recognize that. I can't answer that question for everybody that's going to watch a documentary. Everybody that's going to see the shroud, that's not my job. My my job is to pose the question to you. And I think the shroud poses that question to everybody: Who do you say that I am? Right? And the other thing I think is when you is when you look at that question, I remember the person of Peter. You were, you know, you're talking about Peter. Well, rocks do sink, you know, in water. Um, and and so I so I really do think of Peter's relationship with Christ. Like it's really up and down, right? Like one minute he's professing him the Messiah, the next Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. The next minute he's walking on water, the next minute he's sinking, you know, he denies Jesus and all of these things. And then he comes back, right? This is the person that God chose to, you know, head the church, right? And he's the one that said, you know, you're the you're the rock and on and, and actually that's where what 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 follows right after Peter says, you know, you are the Messiah, he 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 then goes into Jesus then says, you know, you are Peter and upon this rock I'm gonna build my church, da 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 da. Like so when you when you look at this and you and you think about this, you know, I I think I think Jesus saw in in Peter, I really do. I think he saw in, in in Peter his his future fidelity, right? Like like I think he saw. Okay, this dude's heart recognizes that I'm the Messiah, and yet he's going to have his ups and downs, and he's going to have his need for confession, and you know all of these other things throughout you know the remainder of his life. But I I see his heart, and this is the heart that I want to build, um, you know, my church on, and and so you know I think it gives us a lot of hope. Because, you know, I, I know myself, man, it's like ding, 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 ding. Like I, I've got an up and down relationship with God too. But um, what, what, I, what I really think, you know, is that, the, is that the shroud can pose this question and help us ponder that question. I hope everybody this Lent is pondering that question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And this is just one tool. And, and you're right, the shroud is really the ultimate it, it as richard calls it he calls it the fifth gospel the gospel written in blood right um you know it's this it's this image it's this thing that really can point us and and give us a um a look at what jesus went through and 
who he is. And so for, for me, I think absolutely that's, that's right. You yeah. know, you, you can see behind me, Bill, I got some relics of, of some pretty powerful saints. Well, they're all powerful, but amazing saints. Um, <clears throat> those are first class relics. It's like a piece of their body piece. Mm -hmm. The Trotter Turin is, it's a first class relic of the second person of the Trinity, isn't it? Because it can, can you speak to, you know, what the science is? Because I know before we started, you talking about the blood types, Eucharistic mm -hmm. miracles and things like that. What, what are the scientists or the experts saying uh, that keeps yeah. hope alive that this is truly is a, 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 first, a first class relic of, of Jesus Christ? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that um, they have no, absolutely no idea how the image got on the shroud, other than the fact that it takes uh, about 8 billion watts of energy to create the image uh, of the man on the shroud. Uh, that is, just so you understand, 11 AT&T stadiums, in, which is a stadium the Dallas Cowboys play in. That's 11 of them operating at peak power consumption and then flashing for one uh, billionth of a second. Wow. So, so, so you, you mean that when you say 8 billion watts? 8 billion watts of, okay. of energy. Yeah. You're not just saying like a gazillion, you know, you, the, no, no, no. that no. is Between four and eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, between four and eight, scientists estimate somewhere between four and eight uh, billion watts of energy. We just used the number eight in the documentary. Okay, all right, hold on a right. second. If it's four, that's not a big deal. If it's eight, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if it's only four, I mean, that happens like monthly around here. You should have started yeah. out with four. And then, I know. Oh, and then worked no, up. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's more than like the you know it it it's more than what we can conceive, right? And and so, yeah. And then and then you look at okay, uh, what what happens when uh, the the blood behaves differently than the image on the shroud? So the blood is soaked into the shroud. The image is on top of the shroud, like it's the very outer coating of the fibers. So the blood goes through. The image is only on the on the top. By the way, the other the other wild thing is that there's no image underneath the blood so if if the image was was created or like if the blood was painted on after the image you would see the image underneath the the blood there's none of that right so that that's just a testament to its authenticity again right this is not a photograph it's not a painting there's they have absolutely no idea how that image was created on the shroud there's no pigment there's no paint uh, nothing. And then in, beyond that, uh, you, you, well, Father, you mentioned about the, about the blood type, right? Well, here's the blood type story. And, and Brian does an amazing job. You know, I almost, you know, it's a, it, it's definitely a spoiler, but I'll, but I'll spoil it. Uh, because, you know, Brian, Brian talks about the blood type and what that means from a theological perspective, right? The, the, the blood of an animal would, would take the sins of the, the, the person into it. That was the whole nature of sacrifice, right? And so Jesus and the blood type on the shroud is AB. That is the universal receiver. And people think, oh, well, why wouldn't it be the universal giver? Why wouldn't it be the universal donor? Oh, it's because Jesus took all of the sins of man onto him in that moment, right, of his death and passion, right? He, he took all of the sins of man and and redeemed it, right? So, you you know, you think about that, and just just the theological significance of that alone, just the blood type. And then, oh by the way, when they study the Eucharistic miracle, the the big one of Lanciano, Italy, and there's you know a, lots of Eucharistic miracles throughout history, the blood type matches what's on the Shroud of Turin. So here you are, you've got a you know a, a heart muscle from the year 700 A.D. sitting in 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 a monstrance in Lanciano, Italy, and the 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 blood type is exactly the same as what they find on the shroud of Turin. It's it, it's 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 mind blowing. Like you know what is what has happened? What has happened? Um, you know with with the scientific um, advancements beyond just this whole carbon dating fiasco that happened in 1988, when the when the New New York Times printed on on it, the shroud is a fake. Um, you know. Science has advanced beyond that, right? To the point where we can now, you know, study this and see this image, and we can understand it on a deeper level. 
Um, so, so while we may never be able to have that slam dunk home run, there's more and more evidence that this really is the authentic burial cloth of Jesus. So Bill, can you go more into the detail about the carbon dating, about the scientific parts, about, you know, because this is the thing, like with Lansdowne, Italy, you mentioned that, which is just phenomenal. If people don't know about Lansdowne, Italy, you got to look that one up. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you have these, you know, five droplets of blood that when they're weighed, they're weighed all together and individually and in you know, way two, way three, way four, and they all weigh the same every time. One way is the same as all five and all this beautiful little miracles like this to scientifically boggle the mind. Okay. There's no way around it. Um, but the science, as the science gets better and the technology gets better, we can go back and study these things more thoroughly. Like, you know, back when Lanciano happened, they couldn't study the actual tissue to see that it was from the myocardium wall, the heart so perfectly cut. They can do that now. So right. how have the advancements changed and improved to more, the more recent tests on the shroud? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's um, amazing. Like what, what they're, what they're doing with like the NASA imagers and like all these different things that they, that they're, you know, hoping to, you know, walk away with in, in the future. They're hoping to be able to study it, you know, more in the future uh, with, with greater technology. But, but even what they did do back in, you know, the eighties and, you know, the seventies and the eighties um, was, was incredible, right? Like it was, it was not from the year 700 AD, like they were able to really study this. And so uh, what I think, what I think um, people need to understand about the carbon dating is really in our film and Brian um, Walsh and another shroud researcher by the name of Larry Schwalbe came out with an academic paper in 2020, uh, in kind of in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, they came out with this academic paper in the journal of, I think, archaeological sciences. Um, and they talked about how and why the carbon dating was flawed because they were able to go back into the, you know, the records and take a deeper look at it and be able to say, okay, this part of the shroud was the worst possible area to actually take it from. And so here's what we see, you know, as on the chemical analysis of these things. And so, you know, they were able to do this. They did it as recently as 2020, right? Um, the, I, I'm, I'm not aware of any other documentary that has that, you know, evidence in there or that, or that scientific research in it. Um, and, and it's, um, it's mind blowing what they're able to do now. And uh, there's, there's so many others studying the shroud and studying uh, the, the image um, of the man and being able to, you know, recreate and redraw, um, you know, the image of Christ's face and just all, all these different things that happen from, from this. So uh, as far as like, you know, the, 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 the new technologies, we, they haven't formally studied the shroud, um, you know, since the since the eight, 1988 uh, study, because they haven't had access to the shroud to study it. In 2002, the shroud was cleaned; it was vacuum cleaned, and and, and uh, the scientific community kind of went up in arms about that mm. because um, the the shroud preservation society in Italy or whatever they <laughs> whatever they are, uh, they said, well, we want to take uh, better photographs of the shroud so we can sell better, you know, better images to people. <laughs> and they were like, um, yeah, but you just took all the pieces and the pollen and everything. And you just put them in this little box, you know. Um, Hold on. They they vacuumed? They vacuumed the shroud. shroud. Yeah. So so they sit and they scraped all like the all the pollen and everything off of it to clean it to make it look uh, nicer. That was in 2002. Okay. Did, did someone get fired for that? I no. mean, someone, a lot of people <laughs> should have got fired. <clears throat> one, one would think. Um, I, mean, just, I mean, you're right. Cause you've got all these elements of dust and pollen and just things that it's going to accumulate over the centuries that yeah. you would want to study, especially as technology gets better. You talk about NASA imaging. I mean, the, the, the study that they've done on Our Lady Guadalupe on the shroud, you know, is an example. Of, we, as the technology gets better, they'll right. be able to go back and look at these amazing, miraculous pieces and, and discover even more that they would never have been able to figure out 50 years, 100 years, 200 years ago. They vacuumed it. I'm sorry, that one blew me away. All yeah. Right. Yeah, they yeah they cleaned it they cleaned it and they put it in a you know case to you know keep it preserved you know from whatever radon or whatever like they you know they 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 really did that um, and so the scientific community went up in arms about it. Uh, there's there's letters if you look at like shroud.com you'll see letters of of scientists who write the Vatican write Pope John Paul II at the time and they're like uh, 
what did you let happen here, man? <laughs> you know, um, but um, you know, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the faith aspect, right? Like, you know, this is another uh, a check mark for hey, God, God permitted this because we need to have an element of faith in it, uh, in and in our lives. And so, you know, we we just have to continue um, looking at it that way. You know, in in this documentary, again, we ask the question, "Who do you say I am?" and um, and it takes faith to answer that question, but but when you look at all the evidence and you look at all the scientific stuff that is presented there, I mean, I'll just mention we are briefly alluded to the pollen. There's only you, you have to be able to locate this thing in Jerusalem, right? Like it has to be in Jerusalem at some point. If it's if if it's a if it's a fake, you know, and it's a medieval forgery, there's no possible way that it would have pollen within four uh, two. Two pieces of pollen, two different distinct pollens that located within a forty-mile radius of Jerusalem. They're not found on Earth any other place than within a forty-mile radius of Jerusalem. They're on the Shroud of Turin. So, therefore, if it's a medieval forgery, you know, in the twelve hundreds, thirteen hundreds, that that person would have had to drag that cloth, or they would have had to drag pollen all the way from Jerusalem and put it on the Shroud of Turin, or take the yeah, impossible. Absolutely impossible for you to do that. You know, I mean, okay, is it? You know, I don't know how they would do it. You know, or, or even have the foresight to do it, right? In 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 that in that area, you know. So that's another thing that lends credence to its authenticity. Um, you know, it, it doesn't even need it doesn't even need an accurate historical record because the scientific evidence points to hey, the shroud was in Jerusalem. It had this pollen on it. Is there a uh, modern day uh, accounts of supernatural miracles associated with the shroud? You know, I'm not aware of any. Um, I'm I'm sure that there are. I'm sure that people who have you know gone to Turin and seen this and and looked at this have walked away not only with a deeper level of conversion. Um, I mean, I know in our film that people that just even see the 14 foot replica of the shroud, they they're blown away by it. Like when you see the testimonies and you watch the testimonies and the end of the documentary, people are like, uh, "Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that this was the burial cloth of Jesus." I mean, they're not they're not my words; they're their words. Uh, and so, you know, I, I I I am sure that there have been uh, miracles. I'm sure that if you know you were to delve a little further into it father right. you could find you know miracles of the shroud in you know in modern day right. um, absolutely as it stands right now how often does the shroud get out does it travel does the shroud go anywhere and if so how does that happen like what kind of entourage uh and do we have people taking care of the shroud now other than those who vacuumed it please <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a good question um i i do know about every uh, 20 years or so, the shroud comes out um, for public display. The next planned showing is in 2025, uh, and it's very brief. Uh, it's a very brief period of time. About a, about every 20 20 years or so, it comes out. Um, so the next planned showing will be uh, in 2025. Uh, it is up to the Pope whether it goes out on on display or not. So uh, I, I know Pope Francis has seen it. Actually, I think it's every, every 10 years. I know Pope Francis has seen it uh, and he had and he had uh, seen it shortly after he was, um, you know, uh, elected Pope. So, um, so yeah, but next, the next time is 2025 that it's supposed to be shown uh, to the world and people can go to Turin. But, you know, honestly, with, with all the technology that we have, and, you know, all these replicas like i would just encourage people to take a look at uh the the bringing the entire exhibit of the man of the shroud to their parish because not only do you get you know to see the a replica shroud but you get to see all the science and all the stuff that has been studied over the last four or five decades on this um you know in in, in this massive exhibit mm -hmm. um, and it's beautiful so uh you know when you when you look with the naked eye, you know, on the Shroud of Turin, you know, from a few hundred feet away, you know, if you're in Turin or if you look at uh, a, a a replica shroud, you know, five feet away, I I I think you have this um, like, like I know I've seen the replica. I, I got a chance to film the replica. You're you're blown away by it. You're blown away by it. So I, I would encourage people to delve more into into, you know, learning about it. Uh, through through whatever means they can, documentaries um, or or bringing the free man of the shroud exhibit to their parish and putting it on display. <laughs> it's available to any parish for free. Yeah, Bill, do you know why uh, it's tucked away? 
you know, why, why it, it's only every so many years that they let people view it. Why not let them view it more often or all the time? Yeah. It's the, it's the, uh, sunlight. It, they, they want to keep, uh, the shroud as preserved as possible from sunlight. And, you know, they, so, so they encased it in a radon thing, which is supposed to, you know, help with that. Um, you know, again, that destroys a lot of the, the ability to study it and carbon date it in the future and all those kind of things. Okay. Um, but the, um, but, but yes, yeah, so it's, but basically, um, so preservation is the preservation is the, yeah, but I would think yeah, preservation right. is the, um, reason why they, they don't want it out. And, you know, um, they, again, they have these exhibits, they have all the science, like I, I, I know if you travel to turn, they have something very comparable to like the traveling man of the shroud here. I think it's a little bit more in depth, um, but they, they have an, a, you know, like a museum and an exhibit that you can walk through and see replicas and see all of these things um, with, with the science. And honestly, that's more interesting to me than, than looking at the, at the cloth itself. It, it, it's gotta be beautiful. Um, you know, when you, when you, when you see that and encounter that, like any relic, but what, when you understand the science and you understand what this thing has been through, I think that that is more of a testament than actually getting to look at the shroud for 10 seconds. I mean, you really, you know, it's like looking at the Mona Lisa, right? Like I, I've been over there to see the Mona Lisa, like you got all these people around there snapping all these photos and all this stuff. Yeah. Or, even the, or even you go into uh, the Sistine Chapel in, in the Vatican and, you know, it's beautiful and you get your, you know, five or 10 minutes in there and it's like, wow, this is incredible. But when you learn and you, and you research it all, that's when you come to understand what it really means. And so, yeah, would I love to stand in front of the shroud for, you know, you know, a few, a few minutes and really pray. Absolutely. Um, it's gotta be supernatural. It's gotta be it's supernatural and beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But, um, but I think it's power lies in realizing and not and recognizing all the science and all of the, um, history of it, you know? So. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I kind of look at this, this is maybe an interesting take on this. I'm curious what you both think of this. I kind of look at the whole shroud debate, all the research, all the discussion, the naysayers to those who are devoted uh, to it as a as a as a relic potentially and all. I mean, I look at all of that kind of like working out. You know, when I'm lifting weights, I'm dealing with the resistance training, and when you deal with resistance training, you've got to put effort into it. You got contraction, you got you know eccentric and, and concentric. You know, you've got all this going on. And without that, you don't have you don't have the uh, the breakdown of the muscle, which improves the strength because it has to grow back a certain way. One example I love is how resistance training, and this is a medical fact, affects the bone structure of a human being. You have osteoblast and osteoclast cells in a bone, and the osteoblasts are the ones that when they're when they're you know inspired or motivated through resistance training they produce and your bones are constantly going through uh, reabsorption and just like everything in the body constantly goes through cycles right and the way god designed it is phenomenal but the osteoclast is kind of is that cell that kind of breaks down and, and reabsorbs the bone so in order for the osteoblast to do its job it's got to have the resistance and it's a great thing that god created in even bone cells for them to be strong and not end up with osteoporosis which is weakening of bones if osteoclasts are dominating the osteoblasts. Okay, a lot of blasts and clasts and osteo thrown in there. The Shroud of Turin to me, and, and, and things like this, for hundreds of years, the back and forth, the debate, the discussion, the medical, or, or I'm sorry, the scientific research, all these types of things, the prayer about it, the devotion, the, like you said, people can stand in front of it and within minutes, all of a sudden, something can blow them away. Something's happening. But all that back and forth is like resistance training for faith I think, yep. and it kind of moves us to not just say, yeah, it's, it's a miracle. Okay. We're done. It's a miracle. Okay. We're moving on now. No, without this debate in this looking deeper into it and praying about it and really deeply considering it, we don't get that, that going back to what you said earlier, father, that the good father, God being the perfect father that draw, tries to draw out of us something deeper. He's trying yep. to put us through some form of resistance training. Yeah, yeah, to press into the weights. Yep. Yeah, you got to get in there. I want to see yeah. you all working out. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Let's get in there. Let's develop that faith and that strength. And let's look at these situations. Now I'm going to give you this. 
burial cloth of Jesus. Okay, let's see what you all do with this for the next 2,000 years. Yeah. And now we're going back and forth, and, and it causes us to even do a program like this. And as people are listening and watching, some are going, wow, I never maybe thought of this or that, something Bill said or Father said or Doug said. Therefore, it might deepen their, their moment to go into this with a little different perspective and hopefully, please God, it deepens the faith. I mean, what do you think yeah. of that, gentlemen? Well, absolutely. I, you know, it's we're not totally sure, and but yeah. boy, does it's it sounds yeah. right. And imagine if it is. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, now you got to dig into that, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know when they're going to show it again, but I, I'm going to get a ticket and go wherever it is. But, <laughs> but um, no, it's just fascinating. And, and again, to realize, you know, that I got these relics right here. That's a first-class relic, you know, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's incredibly special. And what a wonderful gift that he's given us. And it's no doubt that we've seen miracles with it. Um, what would the first story that you told about the legend or whether it's historical fact about the mm -hmm. king it was that, yeah, then, uh, ask for healing. Yeah. 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 The Odessa cloth, is it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Odessa cloth. Yeah. I mean, you know, the it, it's it, it's fascinating. Again, you know, whether we whether it's true or not, we have no idea. Right. Uh, and but again, that's an element of faith, and it's and it's pressing in, and so there's just so so many things about it, and 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 I could have gotten something. Again, I'm not an expert in the show. I could have gotten something totally off base uh, about it, and there's experts out there that you can research and 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 get yeah. to know. Go to shroud.com. Um, there's, there's incredible, you know, researchers that, that do this stuff. Uh, we, we did spend a lot of time making sure that this was as, as accurate in film as it could possibly be, um, you know, in, 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 consulting with, you know, Richard, especially to make sure that things were, you know, as accurate as they could be, um, in the, in the film. But again, debate is so important, right? It's the back and forth that's so important. And yeah. because, it, because it allows us, you know, I, we've, we've lost it in society, right? We talked about, you know, uh, you know, cancel culture and all these things that, that happen, right? Like they just want to shut down one but debate is important. Hearing the opposite opinion is really important. And there was something on tape that wasn't actually said in, in the documentary, but, but, but Richard said, he said, you know, it really doesn't bother me. If somebody comes out and says, oh, this fact or this fact is different or, you know, this – your interpretation of this on the shroud is different, it really doesn't bother me because in the end, it really doesn't matter. It is looking through the eyes of faith at, at this that, that um, strengthens us, and that's what we do in the film. Who do you say I am? We, we look at it through the eyes of faith. Um, it is blatantly Catholic. I mean, you know, Kent, myself, or you know, passionate Catholics. Uh, Richard and Brian are both Catholics. You're never, you're never going to hear it on the History Channel. But both Brian and Richard answered the question, "Who do you say I am?" At you know, in in the film, like you're never going to see that on a History Channel documentary about the Shroud of Turin, ever. Well, this is fascinating, and yeah. we're so grateful, yeah. Bill, for you coming on. And I, I hope everybody's going to watch this uh, this film uh, because. You know who knows? Maybe the shroud of Turin is is uh, is going to be some kind of supernatural strength that we all receive in these uh, challenging times that we're living in right now. I don't know. I'm feeling that way. I. I but uh, but yeah. Everybody, please check that out. And yeah, we'll have a link so, in the link in the description, Father, below yep. for everybody to go check out any information on this. They can go further nice. with this. Yeah. Yeah, and thanks so much for doing that, and thanks for Patchwork Heart Ministries and everything that you're doing, Bill. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, thank uh, you guys so much. Uh, yeah, real quickly, just my website, patchworkheart.org. That's where nice. all the info can be found. And of course, as I said, it's in the description below. But nice. that's it. This was fascinating. Thank you. Let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Great. All right, Bill. Thank Great. you so much Thanks for being so with much. us. Oh, thank you guys. This was a pleasure. <laughs>